You're listening to The Real Wealth Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. What is all this nonsense about? People are freaking out over nothing. More people die from the flu and no one freaks out about getting the flu. I'm going to host my event anyway. The strong can attend. The weak just stay home. I am going to live my life as normal and I'm definitely still taking that vacation. These are just a few of the things I'm seeing on Facebook. I'm Kathy Fetke and welcome to The Real Wealth Show. There's a lot of talk out there, a lot of confusion, a lot of people spreading false information, false cures, false conspiracy theories about coronavirus being made in a lab or created as a political attack against Trump to bring down the economy and wipe out his voter base, or that the powers that be above him just wanted an excuse to reset the economy. In fact, Just a few weeks ago, I was one of those people. I was traveling across the country, going to large events of 700 people or more, shaking hands, sharing food and drinks. And now I don't even want to leave my house. And that's because of the guy I'm about to have on the show today. This will be alarming, but this is important information, fact-based, and will help protect you if you're willing to face the facts. Welcome to Friday the 13th. This morning, I woke up like I was in a horror movie. My daughter is still in Prague for her semester abroad. And instead of coming home when we got the announcement that no more flights would be coming in from Europe, she and a few friends thought it would be more fun to just stay in Europe and travel while everything's on sale. And they weren't really worried because they're 20 and they're not really the demographic that the coronavirus zombies are attacking. But She woke me up on FaceTime at about 6 a.m. in tears because all the borders are about to get shut down. Everyone has to stay inside, and she wasn't even sure if she could get home. We did book a flight, but my fingers are crossed that it won't get canceled and that I will be able to see her tomorrow. Of course, I might cover her in saran wrap and spray her with Clorox, but we'll see. (laughs) So on today's show, let's address what's really going on and if we should be freaking out or not. And if this is all just a hiccup... Or if the black swan has arrived. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I started to listen to my friend and colleague, Chris Martinson, because he's been doing daily YouTube shows that are based on a lot of research and data that most people do not have access to. Chris is a PhD from Duke and has an MBA from Cornell, so he's a pretty smart guy. And he spends a lot of his time just geeking out as an economic researcher and futurist, mostly specializing in energy and resource depletion, but now he is obsessed with tracking the coronavirus, and I'm extremely grateful for that. He's co-founder of peakprosperity.com, along with our good friend Adam Taggart. And I tell you, I'm just so honored to have him here with me on The Real Wealth Show to share with you some things that you might not be hearing elsewhere that could definitely protect you, your family, and your assets. So Chris, welcome back to The Real Wealth Show. I'm so honored that you could take some time to be with us here today. Well, thank you, Kathy. It's good to be here with you. Yeah, listen, you've always been on top of data and information and helping people prepare for what's coming. Uh, You've been really in front of this coronavirus situation uh, when people probably were calling you a little crazy, would you say? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I tend to be a little early to these things. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard to be early because people, you know, how do you deal with that when you know something to be true? and, And I mean, even just Six months ago, I was warning people that the economy is not as strong as everybody thinks, and they just, oh, they get so mad. Yeah. Yeah. And and I just covered this in, uh, I've been doing these daily video updates uh, pretty much every day, except I've taken two days off in the last 49 days now. 
yesterday's talked about this thing called an adjustment reaction, and mm-hmm. it gets to the heart of what you're talking about, which is we'd like to think that we're all rational and you know data comes in and we change our minds. But that's not how it works. Uh, all of us, when we're challenged with really disruptive, belief-altering material, go through an adjustment process. And uh, some people go through that faster than others, and some mm-hmm. people can jump higher than others, and some people can do math in their head and all that, right? But this adjustment reaction is something that is very common. It's very ordinary. And people are really going to be going through it with this because the coronavirus impacts everything in our lives. And goodness, Kathy, look at all the school closures we just got announced in the last day, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that's going to be so disruptive for families, for the children, the mothers, the fathers, everybody. It's just a huge disruption. And people didn't want to see that coming in advance because it was just too disruptive and they, it was going to be a process to adjust to that new information. And my work says, well, you better adjust early because that gives you more time. You get a gentler glide path on that process rather than having it sort of slam into you all at once. But that's what you find with people who are not ready to face their own adjustment is an emotion, usually anger. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're mad. Sometimes they're frustrated, resentful, things like that. Yeah, there's just uh, so much mistrust. You know, I keep hearing it's just the flu and what in the world is going on and people are stupid. And I... (laughs) I got to tell you my own personal situation. I've been listening to you daily. I just can't wait till you your broadcast comes out. And it's been so enlightening. I do have asthma. This is important to me. I canceled all my travel, everything to stay home. But you know, I'm not the only one home. I've got a very strong, healthy husband, you know, Rich, and he does go out. And, and he had a friend come over today from LA who has been walking around. And I just I just started to sob because I'm like, there's nothing I can seem to do to protect myself. Now, am I overreacting? No, you're, you're really not. This is not the flu. And, you know, the list of characteristics and reasons why it's not the flu are long. But among these, we have to look at the data, which says that there's about a 15 to 20 percent serious complication rate on this. And it hits people of all ages. Of course, the older you are, the more it tends to hit. But it's not a free pass for, you know, people who are under the age of 70. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's still very serious. And even those who get it um, and maybe don't go into the ICU and they recover, data is coming out to say that, that they may have lifelong implications from that lung scarring and stuff. So it's very, very serious disease. And you know, to, to speak to what you're, you're dealing with right there, uh, I made the decision as soon as we had the first known case that was within a 20-mile radius of my house, which happened just about a week ago, uh, I pulled the plug and I said, you know what? I need my house to be my green zone. I need to know mm-hmm. that there's one place where I don't have that little reptilian brainstem part wondering if every surface I'm touching is contaminated. I just don't, I can't have that sort of stress in my life. So, so yeah. we, me and my fiance, Evie, we made the decision, our house is a green zone. What a hard decision. It means that the child that she has with another man who's, you know, comes on routine, regular back and forth visits on custody, that had to stop. It means that people we would normally have over, we had to you know, pull the plug on that, get those sorts of connections. And it's very hard. It's really disruptive. And it's not easy to make these decisions. But my advice is always, you have to make these decisions early because our job now is to what's called flatten the curve. We can't have people swamping the medical system because too many people caught it all at once. And then very treatable conditions turn into actual mortalities because the system is swamped. Or you know, I was talking and working with our local hospital ambulance crews here, and they're just concerned because uh, a normal ambulance call that might take eight minutes for a heart attack might take an hour once they get swamped, you know, and that makes all the difference. So our job is to not get it. 
That's it's a really important job, not just for ourselves personally, but as as community members. Our job is to stop the spread of this thing. And the best way to do that, the only certain way to do that is with social distancing. And, you know, that means a lot of things. Yeah, again, I, I mean, I had to call a friend yesterday and say, why are you putting on a live event? I mean, California has already passed a, uh, I don't know if it's a law, but is, is asking people to not hold events. And if you do stay six feet apart, which is impossible. Um, but it's just the message is not getting out there, which is why I'm doing this. I'm not trying to freak people out. But from listening to you and others who really understand what's going on, if we just stay home, which is actually pretty awesome, you know, there's a lot of things, mm -hmm. books you maybe mm -hmm. haven't read and gardening you haven't done and that guitar is dusty. I mean, there's so many wonderful things to do at home. We can work from home, a lot of us. I don't know why it's so difficult. I mean, our grandparents had to go to war and we're just being asked to sit on the couch, right? Somebody has said that earlier. Yes. <laughs> so, I don't understand the resistance. I don't either, but it, it's really routines. People like our routines. Um, we know that this is going to be very, very disruptive in terms of uh, the economic earnings for a lot of people who can't work from home. I certainly get it. And, you know, this is a time, though, where I think we have to say, look, the public health emergency is so large that we have to set aside all these other considerations and we'll work together as a nation, as a community to figure out how to get past that. It's going to be hard, right? But we can get past it. But it's such a different world if we accidentally overburden our medical system and we get into what we're seeing now is happening in Italy. They are just about today or tomorrow, it looks like their entire hospital system is going to be past capacity. And then they have to make really, really hard decisions that all of us are thankful we never have to make in our lives. But somebody has to make them. And Spain just put an emergency quarantine around the entire Madrid area. And, you know, it, it's just these things are happening and we can see it. It happened in China. It's happening in Europe right now. And I think still in the United States, people are thinking it can't happen here, but it can. And it probably will. And as we've seen, this virus, I call it, you know, jokingly the honey badger virus because I have to make some light of it. It's relentless. It's a terrible foe. You don't want to go up against it and it'll escape almost any enclosure you put it in, you know. And it's so who's it gotten to lately? Well, the, you know, the first lady of Canada, the, the prime minister's wife, uh, it's gotten to Tom Hanks, you know, uh, it's taken out uh, about 15 percent of uh, Iran's leadership at this point in time. And it's just it's just spread really far and fast. And it doesn't care how rich you are. It doesn't care, you know, where you are in the social structure, what kind of politician you are. It, it's a, it doesn't matter. So I don't think I don't have any data yet to suggest that we're going to have any different of an experience with it in the United States, we're just about 10 to 14 days behind Italy's experience on the charts. Mm. I mean, my biggest concern, again, from, from hearing the things you've been saying is we don't have the test kits, so we don't know. When we see data about the U.S., it's not real data, right? Because we just don't know. We haven't been testing. Yeah, I can go further than that. I can tell you that there are many, many, many more cases than reported in the United States because of that it completely bordering on criminal failure to test because the, the way you treat something like this is, is not that hard. Uh, it's hard to pull off, but the concept isn't hard, right? First thing, you stop new cases from coming in. So you sh we should have stopped travel back in you know January 22nd or 3rd, somewhere around there, just stopped it. I know it would have been hard. People would have been disappointed, but that's what we would have that's had okay. to have done. And uh, then you have to test, 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 test. And when you find somebody who's got it, you have to do very aggressive, what's called contact tracing. So if I had it and I was on a bus, they got to go find everybody who was on that bus, you know, and maybe quarantine all of them. So let me cut to the other side of this. Hong Kong. Hong Kong is right on the border of China. What did they do? First thing they found out within the next day, they closed all their borders with China. And that's hard. They're, that's their main trade partner. And it's just very disruptive. But they did it. And then they immediately went into aggressive social distancing. The people all knew what to do. They had face masks for everybody. 
They're decontaminating surfaces twice a day. There's squads of people out there, you know, wiping down everything with Clorox bleach, handrails, banisters. And then they did this super aggressive contact tracing. And as a result, not only do they have practically no cases of COVID-19, but they also completely destroyed uh, this year's flu season uh, over a month early, you know, a fraction of the cases they would normally have, which proves that this is how you take care of a virus. You do things like that. And it begins with you and I and people listening, good hygiene, hand washing, six, six feet apart, as you mentioned, uh, you know, not going to big gatherings, being really conscious about not touching your face. These are hard new habits to take in. You know, I think we lost some time on that story in the United States, a very slow sort of response from the government. We're, we'll get there. But in the meantime, because of that lost time, I think people have to be prepared for the idea that we're going to have an experience that looks a lot like Europe, uh, just, a, just a couple weeks behind. Maybe, maybe less. Okay, so my friend from LA came into our house mm -hmm. today. He's, he said he didn't touch anything. Uh, I don't know. I mean, is there a way to just clean the energy? Do I have to worry about that? Or like, how do I clean my house? Well, first off, if anybody's coughing, you just, you, they don't come into your house. But mm -hmm. um, if they're there and you have any concerns at all, my favorite thing to do is a half cup of bleach and a gallon of water. And you want to just wipe surfaces down. Okay. And um, it's actually, this is the tricky part. It's the drying of that solution on the surface. So if you wipe it, you don't want to wipe it back to dry. You just sort of wipe it on there and you let it dry. And it's about a minute to two minutes. Uh, and it's a very, very powerful disinfectant. And you can spray with Lysol too, if, if that feels easier somehow. But I just have uh, just, you know, bleach and water. Works great. I need to go get some bleach. Okay. Um, don't drink it. <laughs> don't spray yourself. <laughs> I, there was a video of a father spraying his kid with uh, Lysol. Not not recommended, I'm imagining. Nope. nope. I, bet the, I bet the internet's full of stuff you shouldn't do. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So another myth is people are like, oh, I'm healthy. I'm not going to get it. Is that true? Well, ev everybody's going to get it at some point. Uh, this is going to become a circulating thing, just like the uh, seasonal cold. Mm -hmm. uh, the question is, when does everybody get it? Uh, it's I've got a very high contagious level. And, and by the way, some people will get it and never even know it. They'll be that far down on the symptomatic scale. Other people will get it and maybe notice a little something. And of course, it's a bell curve of experiences. I think most people are going to get it and it's going to feel like a probably a little heavier than usual flu. Mm -hmm. um, but for the people who are on the far end of that bell curve, of course, it moves into the lungs and it, it creates what's called interstitial bilateral pneumonia, the, the spaces between all the cells really fill up with, with fluids. And that's really our bodies fighting themselves. You know, it's, a, it's an aggressive immune response as much as it is the virus doing damage itself. And for everybody, I would recommend, of course, you want to be as healthy as possible, get as much sleep as you can. Vitamin C and vitamin D3 both seem to be important. And there's a lot of data around that right now. I also have data around elderberry syrup. I use that very religiously myself. I don't know if it works on this one, but it works on every other virus it's come up against in my personal life. And again, not medical advice. I'm just telling you what I do. But mm -hmm. these are all sort of immune boosting, supporting things people can do that could make a big difference because I, if, if I or when I get it, I got to be honest about this. I want to be on the easy side of that scale. Mm. Okay. So just keep your immune system up. Now, someone like me with asthma, am I basically screwed? <laughs> I mean, can I keep my immune system up or? Well, so I, I actually have two strategies. Um, the first is I don't want to get it at all, yeah. but uh, I'm going to give myself enough time here to really aggressively isolate and uh, be, you know, just keep my distance as much as possible because there's a chance somewhere out there there is a vaccine coming. And I don't have a lot of hope for that up front because, you know, this is very closely related to SARS, which was a virus that came around in 2003. 
And a lot of effort was put into trying to create a vaccine for that, and none managed to succeed. Now, technology's moved along. We have a lot of new approaches. There are all sorts of different vaccine technologies. They're trying things called RNA vaccines, which I don't know a lot about, but as I've been reading about them, I'm like, oh, that's pretty promising. DNA vaccines, uh, you know, beyond the ones we're familiar with are called attenuated viruses. You know, usually they grow the virus and uh, weaken it significantly so it can't really do its thing, and then they put it back in you. And then your body sees it and says, oh, and makes antibodies, and now you're immune. So we don't have a lot of data yet to know if, if that's coming, but, you know, a strategy would be to say, you know, on the first pass, we might think somewhere between 40 to 60% of the people in the world might get it on the first year. I plan to be on the percentage that doesn't get it in that first year. And oh uh, I think everybody with a, what's called a comorbidity out there, anybody with heart disease, uh, diabetes is a big one that's uh, very poorly indicated for this thing, cancer, things like that. And I haven't heard about asthma per se, but I would, of course, it's a respiratory illness, so I would think that might be on the list, but I'd, I haven't seen that listed directly yet. Oh, okay. All right. Well, all right. Stay healthy, exercise, eat well, take your vitamins, elderberry. I hadn't heard that. Very good. Um, economically, we know this is taking a big hit. Is there any safe place for money today? Well, I've been in cash for a while myself um, and uh, hiding out in gold for, for a while. And that's simply because I, I think this is going to create uh, such extraordinary economic damage. I don't, I don't really know where to hide at this point in time. So such as it is, I've been, you know, thinking that I would want to be in cash and also real estate. I've actually, I'm, I'm closing on a property in two weeks here. So what kind of real uh, estate, Re rental stuff? Well, sort of, it's an interesting thing. Uh, Kathy, there's a, there's a place right, I just bought a brand new spread um, here in Chester, Massachusetts. Very nice place. Uh, really beautiful. And across the street, there was this old lodge that had been lived in residentially by a couple for 50 years, but it used to be this grand lodge with, uh, it's got 13 bedrooms and bathrooms and it's just gorgeous and beautiful and all these things. And, and so myself and a team of uh, investors and everything I learned from the real estate radio guys on the cruises, I put together a syndication, found some investors. And so we're, we're going in on, on creating a, it's going to be an event center. I mean, it'll hold weddings oh, and neat. Uh, oh. people will be able to, you know, rent rooms and things like that. But more than that, you know, we're also going to have the regenerative farming right nearby, growing mm. elderberries <laughs> and have chickens and, you know, lots of trails. Collectively, the two properties will have 270 acres uh, and thousands of feet of stream frontage. And it's very beautiful. So a place for people to come and reconnect and regenerate and things oh, like that. Oh, so, I love it. Yeah. So you, you're not afraid of having uh, cash in the banks? Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> I've funny, you should mention that. Um, I was just at the bank this morning and, uh, yeah, I, I did take some cash out of the bank, like physical cash just in case. And Put it in the uh, there's always a chance that what we're seeing now in Italy and in Spain, they're starting to just close lots and lots of facilities. And so if they close banks as one of those places saying we can't have places where people might bump into each other, if it gets to that stage, well, just two days ago. I had, you know, my credit card was uh, fraudulent. It happens, right? And I got the call. I said, oh, we've deactivated your card. So I had to go in. But what if the bank was closed and my card was deactivated? You know, yeah. now what? Um, gotta so have that, cash. yeah, that was my personal wake up call to say, maybe I have a little cash just in case, you know? Yeah. Excellent. Okay. All right. Well, Chris, I can't thank you enough for being here. I know you're just in high demand. Um, I'll, I'll make sure that our audience knows how to reach you and watch those videos. Thank you so much for being here today. You're welcome. It's been my pleasure. And thank you for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show. Now, we canceled our live event in order to flatten the curve and stop the spread of the virus. 
But we are doing an online event and I'll be going over in more detail some of my thoughts about where to put your money today and protect yourself over what could be some volatile months ahead. You can find out more about that at realwealthshow.com. Take care, stay safe, stay home and start doing some of the things you haven't had time to do, but now you might. I'm Kathy Fecky and thanks so much for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show. 